The problem with America is not that we go around marauding around the world imposing ourselves. Mm. The problem with America in the last 10, 15 years since the end of the Cold War, really in the last 60 years, is that we've been too slow to get involved mm. in mm. conflicts. How many countries has the U.S. attacked in uh, the last been, 15 been, years? Uh, well, since World War II, there have been 72 interventions by the United States. Oh, is that right? Yes. That's ludicrous. Well, it's not ludicrous, it's true. Hello, everyone. In episode two of this series, I remarked on how shocked I'd felt in learning that Iran had been a secularizing democracy in the 1950s, before the CIA initiated a coup to install a dictator. I also remarked that I was even more shocked to learn this template had been cut and pasted the world over. Democratic governments were, and are, continuously destroyed in favour of compliant dictatorships. I remarked that the real conspiracy, this drive for global hegemony, was right out in the open, and that the media simply refused to acknowledge it by leaving the dots disconnected. One CIA coup here and there looks like an overreaction to communism from an intelligence agency otherwise dedicated to keeping the world safe for democracy. When it's practically every country in the world, however, a different picture emerges. The central thrust of a meta-conspiracy theory is that certain groups are actively seeking global domination. My contention is that this is absolutely true and demonstrably so. It can be proven from the most pedestrian of historical sources. The only inaccuracy is in the word theory. Such a conspiracy can be demonstrated beyond all reasonable doubt by simply going to Wikipedia and typing in nothing more esoteric than the names of countries, then reading their 20th century history. What you will encounter, time after time, is a history of US military interventions and CAA-backed coups in conjunction with support for fascist dictatorships. I'll run through some examples. Nothing I'm about to say deviates from the accepted historical record. There is nothing about this conspiracy that requires theory. In 1945, the United States was keen to re-establish its presence in the Philippines. Tens of thousands of villagers were driven from their ancestral land to make way for the lumber and sugar industries. The US Army trained 50,000 Filipino soldiers to suppress the Hook Rebellion, which, after fighting off the Japanese, sought land reform for the Filipino people. Tactics included the massacring of villagers using false flag terror, where government soldiers would pretend to be Hook rebels. In 1947, the United States essentially went to war with the Greek political left, supporting a fascistic government in Athens against insurgents. The CIA trained, financed and controlled the Greek secret service as they engaged in a program of detention, torture and the rigging of democratic elections. When the Greek Centre Union Party came to power in 1964, the CIA conspired to have Prime Minister George Papandreou removed and ultimately backed a military coup which saw Greece becoming the most brutal and repressive country in Western Europe. In 1948, the United States founded the Italian Christian Democrat Party, which incorporated Italy's old fascist bureaucracy. The CIA allied with the Mafia and right-wing extremists to ensure the Christian Democrats' victory over the Communist Party. 
This involved setting up secret terrorist units who would engage in false flag bombings in order to discredit the political left. In 1953, the CIA overthrew the democratic government of Prime Minister Mohammad Mossadegh in Iran. The agency paid thugs to pretend to be communists and attack mosques. They paid the media to report Mossadegh was secretly a Jew who would outlaw Islam. After rigged elections, the country was handed over to dictator Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, whose regime of widespread political imprisonment and torture paved the way for today's Islamic State. In 1954, the CIA enacted a coup in Guatemala to oust President Jacobo Arbenz. Arbenz wished to convert Guatemala's predominantly feudal economy into a modern capitalist state. He enacted land reform, where the government would buy unused land from US banana company United Fruit and distribute it to peasant farmers. United Fruit ran Guatemala as a private fiefdom. It's an example of slavery not so much ending in the United States, but rather relocating south of the border. In an effort to link Arbenz with the Soviet Union, the CIA planted boxes of rifles marked with the communist hammer and sickle. Arbenz was ultimately replaced with General Carlos Castillo Armas, who immediately executed at least 3,000 of Arbenz supporters as he set up a fascist state. The country ultimately descended into a civil war in which up to 200,000 people were killed. In 1958, the CIA supported a failed coup attempt in Indonesia. CIA pilots bombed ships and marketplaces, killing many civilians. They actually attempted to produce a pornographic film with an actor who resembled the president, Sukarno, in order to discredit him, although the effort failed as it wasn't convincing. In 1965, a successful coup ousted Sukarno, with the ensuing violence leading to the deaths of half a million. Throughout the 60s and onwards, the United States made various efforts to overthrow Fidel Castro's government in Cuba. The CIA trained and supplied Cuban exiles to retake the island in the failed Bay of Pigs invasion. The US enacted an economic embargo against the country, whilst the CIA carried out acts of internal sabotage against civilian targets, whilst working with the Mafia to assassinate Castro. In 1963, the CIA supported a coup and established a military junta in Ecuador. CIA agents bombed churches and right-wing organisations and made it appear to be the work of the political left. They would march in left-wing parades, displaying signs and shouting slogans of a very provocative anti-military nature, designed to antagonise the armed forces and hasten a coup. In 1964, the CIA backed a coup against Brazil's president, Joao Goulart, marking the beginning of the country's military dictatorship. Hundreds of people were disappeared, tens of thousands tortured, and approximately 8,000 indigenous people were murdered. In 1970, the CIA failed to prevent leftist Salvador Allende from becoming president of Chile. The United States ensured the new government was cut off from loans from the World Bank, as the CIA paid workers to go on strike. The hope was that a swiftly deteriorating economy will touch off a wave of violence leading to a military coup. The coup came on September 11, 1973, bringing Augusto Pinochet to power. Thousands of Chileans were murdered, tens of thousands horrifically tortured, with hundreds of thousands having to flee in exile. 
1971, the US government supported a coup in Bolivia, toppling President Juan Torres. Torres fell out of favor after nationalizing tin mines owned by American interests, making overtures of friendship to Allende's Chile and Castro's Cuba, and increasing commercial ties with the Soviet Union. His replacement, General Hugo Banzer, received military aid from the US as his dictatorship murdered hundreds and tortured thousands of Bolivians. In 1982, the CIA helped bring Hissan Habre to power in Chad to create conflict with Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. The two countries had recently ended their border dispute, and this wasn't to the liking of the Reagan regime. The CIA trained and equipped Chad's secret police, who murdered 40,000 political opponents whilst torturing hundreds of thousands. Throughout the 1980s, the CIA supported counter-revolutionary death squads in Nicaragua. The Contras waged war by attacking the Sandinista government's social programs, destroying health centres, schools and agricultural cooperatives. Tens of thousands of civilians were tortured and murdered. When Congress refused to fund the Contras any longer, the Reagan administration facilitated their funding through arms deals with Iran and cocaine importations into the United States. This underpinned the crack epidemic of the 1980s. Also throughout the 80s, the US government supported El Salvadorian death squads as they massacred 75,000 civilians. The squads employed a scorched earth policy of destroying whole villages, a tactic taught to them by US military officers from experience gained in Vietnam. Also throughout the 1980s, after the Vietnamese army defeated the Khmer Rouge, liberating Cambodia from one of the most genocidal regimes of the 20th century, the US government sent aid to Pol Pot's forces, ensuring they could function as a terrorist group throughout the rest of the decade. This list is by no means exhaustive. I could have mentioned the assassination of Patrice Lumumba in the Congo, or the ousting of Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana, the war with Vietnam and the bombing of Laos and Cambodia, the invasion of Panama and war with Angola, but I think you get the point. Although I began this list at the start of the Cold War, these interventions preceded any communist threat. Regime changes prior to the Second World War required less, or different, propaganda. Such was the case with the annexation of Hawaii and the initial invasions of Cuba and the Philippines around the turn of the 20th century. They did not end with the demise of the Red Menace either. Rather, a doctrine of humanitarian intervention was employed throughout the 90s to justify murderous wars in Iraq and Yugoslavia. Then in 2001, the War on Terror commenced, which at last count has displaced 36 million people from their homes. We are also doubtlessly only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Countless other coups and assassinations must have had the backing of the CIA, where without confirmation we are left only to speculate. I have also not mentioned other aspects of this hegemonic control grid. Financial aspects such as the World Bank and International Monetary Fund the centralization of health under the World Health Organization, or the co-opting of the environmentalist movement for neo-colonial purposes. It seems clear to me that all of this amounts to a drive for global hegemonic control, and without any hyperbole can be called a conspiracy to take over the world. We can discuss the nuance of that. It's not necessarily the same group behind this drive over time. It may be that only a small number or even potentially none of the people enacting this takeover, 
think of it as such. Just as these cells in your body do their individual jobs without being clued into the master plan, so one generation may go out to stop communism, another to fight terrorism, without seeing the bigger picture. I'm very interested in these conversations, but to say that there is no global conspiracy, that's just crazy. You may disagree with vast quantities of what they say, but on that basic point, David Icke, Alex Jones, and every other conspiracy theorist are clearly 100% correct. Am I wrong? Is there a flaw in my reasoning beyond being pedantic over whether conspiracy is technically the right word? If I'm not, then we must all agree there's some sort of giant conspiracy going on, one which is antithetical to human well-being. We all live inside Philip K. Dick's Black Iron Prison. It's just that some of us have much nicer cells. This then sets the foundation, the context for any discussion on individual conspiracy theories. Prior to discussing the Kennedy assassination, the moon landings, 9-11, global warming, or SARS-CoV-2, we must first recognise what type of world we are living in. Even if you think I am wrong, and that the CIA interventions tell us nothing regarding how we should think about climate change or corona, how would you know that? Seeing how far-reaching and nefarious their influence is, how would you know where the limit lies? At the very least, then, conspiracy is an entirely sensible and valuable paradigm, a lens we can use to understand the truth of our world. Given how pervasive and open this conspiracy is, I'm left with the question, why don't we see it? Everything I've mentioned here has been featured in mainstream media at one time or another. Nothing hidden about it. Those who bother to look can easily see all the individual pieces of this jigsaw, but somehow miss the complete picture they form. This is why conspiracy has an overlap of language with spirituality. Seeing the total picture requires going beyond taking in ever more information. It requires a paradigm shift, an awakening, awakening from a dream into Morpheus's desert of the real. It is as if we have all taken a blue pill that prevents this shift, keeping us trapped in a reality we know on an intellectual level is false, but still continuously revert back to. What is this pill? Is it schooling? The media? Peer pressure? All of the above and more? And how do we get it out of our system in a way that doesn't send us spiralling into a conspiracy psychosis, where we fall and fall until our feet land on the flat earth? These are the questions I'll get into next time. Thanks for listening. Whilst it is possible to find most of the information contained in this episode on Wikipedia, I did reference several books and will link to them in the info box. 